Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. We stand here tonight, halfway between our celebration of Reformation, October 31st, 1517. We remember and memorialize in the church. We have for over 500 years remembering, celebrating. Martin Luther nailing 95 theses on the church door at the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And next Sunday, where we remember and recount All Saints Day, giving thanks for all those who have died in the faith, remembering, remembering their lives, their faith, maybe with a tear in our eye, rejoicing that heaven is real, Behold a host arrayed in white, angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. We're right here, right smack dab in the middle. And it's a good place to be. One of the foundational questions that was raised with Luther's posting of the 95 Theses. He wanted a debate. He wanted in the, a debate in the church with regard to indulgences, so-called papers or proclamations that promised what they really couldn't deliver, not then, not now, the forgiveness of sins. He wanted a debate. What does the Bible, what does Scripture have to say with regard to that? In a sense, the question then is much like the question now. How do sinners become saints? It's an important question. God's word is clear. Sinners go to hell for all eternity. Only saints those who have their sin taken care of, removed, go to heaven. So, how do sinners become saints? Well, there are a lot of ways that people approach this question or this problem, this dilemma. For some, they would say, sin is not that big of a deal. Just ignore it. My friends, we can try to ignore our sin, but the reality and the consequences are with us always. And even if we fool ourselves into thinking that, that our sin isn't really that big of a deal, we can't fool God. God knows our minds, he knows our hearts, he knows our words, he knows our actions. The wages of sin is death. And we all, like sheep, have gone astray, each one to his own path. So others concoct all kinds of rules or regulations 
to try to work your way out of sin. That was really the, the world that Luther found himself in. He had all kinds of religious do's and don'ts. People try to do the same thing today. Ten steps for this, twelve steps for that. How to work your way into God's favor. Didn't work for Luther, doesn't work for us. Luther found that the more he practiced these spiritual exercises to try to get rid of his sin, the more he sinned. The same is true today. So, how does one get rid of his sin? The simple answer is, you can't. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much effort you put into it, no matter how many good deeds you do, no matter how much you pay or pray or obey, you cannot finagle your way out of your sin. This is the universal condition. Our text for tonight makes that clear. For there is no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, back to our question. How does a sinner become a saint? Well, let's see what God's Word says. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Okay, we know the Ten Commandments, right? No other gods, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not covet. That's the law. What do we do? What do we do when we are confronted head to head with the law? Well, what most of us do most of the time is we make excuses. Another name for making excuses is justification. We self-justify. When the police officer or state patrolman pulls you over for speeding, what do you say? I'm sorry, officer, but I was really in a hurry. I'm on my way to make a pastoral call. I'm going to a funeral. I've got tickets to the big game. In other words, I have a reason, I have a justification, a self-justification to break the law. What about the first table of the law? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Well, I know I should go to church, but well, the game really lasted long on Saturday night. It felt so good to sleep in. Do you realize that there's an NFL game in Europe and it comes on TV at 9 o'clock in the morning? Pastor, it's so much cheaper to get a tea time on Sunday morning than any other day of the week. We make excuses. We self 
justify. We learn it little on. When even the littlest among us get in trouble, what do they say? It's not my fault. My brother, my sister, the cat, whatever made me do it. My friends, we all, whether we realize it or not, we all have an unearned PhD in self-justification. We learned it from little on and we hone our craft every day that we live. God's Word teaches us that His law stops our mouth. Put a sock in it, we might say. There is no reason, there is no excuse, there is no self-justification that is good enough. God's law exposes our sin and in so doing exposes our need for a Savior. My friends, the whole world, you and me and everybody else, is accountable to God. Well, I'll just work my way out of it, right? No. Verse 20, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. My friends, if that's where our reading ended, we would all be in serious trouble. Sinners, without hope, without a savior, without a reason to go on. But, but, when you come across a but in Holy Scripture, God wants you literally to turn your butt around because something big is about to happen. But, verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. The righteousness of God, God's perfection, God's holiness is poured out to us in and through the person and work of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh who came here because of our sin, who came here to save us from our sin. Jesus gives us his righteousness, his perfect life, his obedient death on Calvary's cross, his victorious resurrection from the grave on Easter Sunday. He gives it away. He gives it away in the waters of holy baptism where God kindles, creates, and sustains faith. Faith in the righteousness of God that is now ours by grace through faith. Grace simply means we don't earn it or deserve it. It's the opposite of good works. 
The righteousness of God is ours by grace through faith. So what are you saying, pastor? What does faith do? Does faith make my sins go away? Does faith wash away all of my sins? Does faith do the justification that I need? My friends, listen carefully. Faith does not do. Faith does not do anything. Faith receives. Faith receives the gift of God. Faith receives the righteousness that Christ has earned. Jesus did it all. It's not our faith that earns salvation. Our faith simply receives it and believes it. It is Jesus who is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice, literally the mercy seat for our sin. Jesus, through his perfect life, his bloody death, and his glorious resurrection, has earned the forgiveness of sins. He gives it to you. We cling to it, not by works, but by grace, through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. How does a sinner become a saint? Only through the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood offering, the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It is ours by grace through faith. Pure gift. Because if we had anything to do with it, we would brag and we would boast. And there's no boasting in the gospel except boasting about how great a savior we have. Jesus, true God, true man, for me, for you, for the life of the world. Much has been written about the relationship between Martin Luther and these words in Romans chapter 3. Luther, discovering or finding the gospel that for decades or centuries had been clouded, covered, reduced to a secondary or tertiary position in the church. My friends, the gospel was never lost as if it was something to be found, like, a, like a, a lost set of keys. The gospel has been there all along in the very precious word of God. Luther did not find or discover the gospel in his heart. Luther did not find or discover the gospel in his mind although he was certainly a very 
intelligent and brilliant man. No. Luther found or discovered the gospel. Or better put, the gospel found Luther as he read and studied and inwardly digested the Bible, the Word of God. And as he studied the epistle to the Romans, God had his way with Luther. The light came on. And Luther was never the same. Quite literally, our world was never the same. My friends, once he found it, he never let go. Tonight, we can be assured that we who are poor, miserable sinners have been declared saints, truly holy, even though we continue to sin daily and much. We have been declared saints by grace through faith in God's only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Did you pay attention when we sang that last hymn? By grace I'm saved, grace free and boundless. Marvelous, marvelous hymn. Especially the last verse. By grace, on this I'll rest when dying. In Jesus' promise, I rejoice. For though I know my heart's condition, I also know my Savior's voice. My heart is glad, all grief has flown, since I am saved by grace alone. My friends, may this be our anthem as we live in between God's making us saints and the day when we see him face to face. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.